This conversation begins a little bit confusingly, possibly, but also I think it's kind of nice and it reflects how the conversation happened. Before I turn the microphone on, we started having some really interesting conversations about all kinds of things. When I did finally turn on the microphone, the rechargeable batteries, which I bought relatively recently, have been a little bit unreliable and none of the many batteries that I had, because I am quite anxious about batteries these days, none of them was working very well. We touch on lots and lots of subjects in this episode, including mental health issues. It begins with some pieces of time chopped together but after a while it gets its sea legs and fully kind of launches into quite an intense and interesting conversation some of it's been rearranged because the introduction happened quite late in i hope that that isn't too confusing but i think it all hangs together and makes sense and it definitely gives you an idea of how it felt for me experiencing it at the time it's not it's recording now oh what's that is that a it's a washing machine. That's all right. Some background ambience gives us uh, what place we're in. Uh, there's two options. We could do my bedroom, where there's not the sound of the washing machine, or there's the balcony, or you'll have general nature ambience, but it won't be a washing machine, so it might be better for broadcast. Uh, what's your preference? I reckon let's go outside. That sounds good to me. Yeah, this will be. This is a nicer ambience too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, as as much as I'm sure there's some people out there who really love. Uh, the domesticity of a washing machine just chugging in the background and it gives some kind of inner peace. Uh, I don't think that there's that many people like that. Whereas in front of a canal... Yeah. And this sort of, this sign's actually, I think it's really like it. it says NHS not for sale. That is a good sign. Unfortunately, uh, a hope rather than a reality. <laughs> so it's gone down to one bar battery. I'm just going to change my batteries. Hello, I'm Dave. I'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together. I need to get better Please make me better I want to get better 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 acquainted with you So I, I, I'm now I'm going to introduce you and I guess I'll drop this introduction in earlier and then we'll kind of go into some of the stuff you said before just to make it kind of make some sense. But today we're getting better acquainted with Shane. Hello, Shane. Hi. <laughs> and like, it's even weirder than normal when I say that to people because normally we've been talking in real life, but in this case, we've been talking on mic for quite a while before we've said <laughs> hi. You want me to introduce myself? Well, the first question that I ask everybody, and this is, I guess these first two questions are a form of, of, of uh, introduction. Uh, the first question that I ask everybody is, how do you know me? Well, so my name is Shane Solanke. That's right. I, Sorry, I mean, it's very important to say artist surnames, <laughs> and I always forget that. Um, <laughs> There's loads of Shanes on the planet. I was, na- <laughs> I was named after the, uh, the Alan Ladd movie. In fact, I was conceived uh, at the moment, uh, at the kind of climax of that movie, or the anti-climax, when, when, <laughs> when uh, Alan Ladd was walking away and the young child was going, Shane, Shane, Shane. I think that was when my dad came, and, uh, and, and my mum's egg was fertilised. Uh, so that's why I'm called Shane. But my full name is Shane Solanke, and I'm an artist. Uh, my trading name, as it were, I play under the name Last Mango in Paris, and I'm a spoken word artist uh, and a theatre maker, filmmaker, a musician, poet. Um, writing my first book, uh, been out in Nigeria teaching recently. I, I work in a participatory way when I work internationally, so I, I work to, to help other people, uh, particularly around the world and from uh, the disenfranchised communities, to tell their stories. Uh, so that's called working in a participatory way. So well, uh, that's the second question I ask everyone the answer to, because the second question I ask everybody is, "What do you do now?" So I guess we've covered that. The first question, I guess, is, "How do we know each other?" So, so we yeah. know we know each other through a mutual friend who, who's an, a, a neighbour of mine in the block that I'm currently living in, whose name is Angela Shoesmith, who's a very, very dear friend. Uh, yeah. uh, to uh, both of us, but although we've never met, she's a dear friend to both of us. Which yeah. is why, which, which is what made me even reach out to you. She's someone who connects people with each other, and I guess we've been connected by her. Yes. Uh, and that's why we're here in some ways. Yeah. And the reason she connected us is because she thought that both of us had ent- interesting things to say about masculinity. Yes. So that that will be part of this conversation, I imagine. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we're actually in the same place, like the same building as her her 
flat where she used to live uh, so I, I feel like very at home in your in your in your flat because it just reminds me a bit of Angela's so now at this point I will drop in all of the stuff we've said already as you kind of pointed out with phones I think something that we always forget is uh, the industrial revolution is only 200 years old so you know all of this waste that we break our hearts over it's a, it's a young thing uh, so the birth of the ecological movement is a young thing and in 500 years time in 1000 years time in 10,000 years time our relationship to energy use will be very very different and all sorts of things bye <laughs> make me some soap <laughs> <laughs> right so that was your neighbour and your thoughts in response to me talking about how rechargeable batteries are not as reliable as I'd like. I'm going to hold the microphone today, I think, because that's going to get me better audio. Wow. Another, that's all right. Another neighbour to talk to. We'll, p- we'll pick it up later. How are you? Oh, uh, this one? Yeah, a bit cheeky. He's amazing. He is the chief animator on Wes Anderson's and Tim Burton's movies. So Wes Anderson is just putting an amazing movie to bed called Isle of Dogs. It's a futuristic movie about 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 waste and recycling, actually. Uh, and Andy's basically building the whole thing in his studio, which is just over there. So he, he's quite an incredible man. Yeah, to give some context about where we are, and it's an interesting place to be sitting in this moment as well. We're in Hackney Wick, uh, near Stratford, in London at your flat yeah so it's it's an it's an area that's gone through massive redevelopment it's kind of some people might say gentrified in some ways but at the same time it's also a hub of artists and creative people and that's a a positive as well as a negative or if it's even a negative i don't think it's a binary like that but it's it's an interesting place to be sitting a place where there's definitely very poor people very close to us and very rich people very close to us right yeah i i i I think the process of gentrification has just begun i think we're surrounded by by a predominantly artists. We're on a piece of land called Fish Island at the moment. We're surrounded by canals, which makes it into an island. And 15 years ago, there weren't any people living here. There was only industry. So the poverty that is often reflected in areas of gentrification, you know, I've lived in, say, for example, Dalston or, right. or other parts of Hackney. There's people there. There's poor people yeah. there. And, and really, that, that didn't happen here. I mean, artists are poor, but they're not, they're not, they're, they're poor in terms of they don't get paid for their time, as opposed to coming from a, a poorer socioeconomic strata, if that makes any sense. That's true. They're, I mean, it's a, absolutely a different position to be an artist. I mean, I guess I don't really even mean directly here. I mean, Stratford's not very far away. There are people who've they're, been there. Poor people in Stratford. Exactly. That's that what makes Stratford so colourful. But there, there's no poor people on Fish Island, which makes it a little bit monocultural and, and monochromatic. You know, I really like poverty. I really like the, the, the richness and the colour that it kind of brings to an area. And, and really, the, 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 there is a different kind of flora and fauna emerging, a human flora and fauna uh, emerging in, in, in Hackney Wick. But that isn't reflective of, uh, say, for example, Stratford on one side or Clapton on one side. But then, you know, we're in a village. London is composed of hundreds and hundreds of these these tiny little villages which which to an extent they're almost separated it's an interesting comment to make though that you, you really love poverty i know what you mean aesthetic <laughs> i know what you mean aesthetically uh, but i think it's kind of complicated isn't it because it's, it's like because there's a degree it, of feti- like you know like I'm, I'm wary of you know what i love about you david and, and what i've seen of your work is, is how sensitive uh, you are to your own privilege or what privilege means and I, and, I, and I think that, you know, for, for, for me to say that I love po- poverty, to some people that is going to sound sickening. Um, I, I, the the fetishisation of that which is other is a very, very, very complex beast. Yeah. But I will, I will say this. I work in, in slums all over the world. I've just come back from working in a slum in Nigeria. In, in fact, the Canadians believe that the word slum is, is, not, is not a good one. They call them informal settlements because the Canadians understand that, 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 that words are very, very powerful tools. Uh, so working in infor- informal settlements all around the globe, what I find working with people that have absolutely nothing is that there's a form of community there, a tangible social wealth that comes from having 
no material wealth. And that when I say I love poverty, that's what I mean. That's what I adore. I, I see values at play in communities with less money that are much more about uh, a togetherness and are much more about equality and are much more about sharing. And those are the values which I think we'd all agree are, 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 are really remiss as we move towards a society which, which, which treasures other things, which treasures material wealth. And, you know, we're seeing the breakdown of society. The classic book, I think it was Kate... Kate, Kate, I can't remember their names. Kate and Richard, I think, uh, who wrote a book called Spirit Level um, uh, uh, around 10 years ago. A classic British book, which kind of basically said exactly what we've been talking a little bit about before you turned on the machine, which, was, is, which is effectively what is lost in pursuit of material gain and also what is value. At the moment, we, you know, we, we think of economy as being trade. We think of it, think of it as being m- money. We think, but it's not, is it? What we value is love, and that is something that cannot, cannot, cannot be measured yet. Yeah, I mean, it's complicated, though, because it's it's hard to love without the conditions for love as well. I'm not saying that that is the case in poor communities, because, as you say, I do think there is uh, a wealth in, in community that can be experienced in poorer communities. But there are people who have not got access to to that resource because of the just day-to-day struggle of having to eat, having to work, having to live. So it's a, a really complicated thing, but I, I really loved your, your, ex, your, your expansion on that thought. It was really, really nice and, really, and thank you for saying a compliment within it, which I'm, I'm trying to accept compliments these days <laughs> I, I, rather than argue with them. So I uh, mention it just in the spirit of that. I'm, I'm actually going like, to try another set of batteries now, but I'm, I quite like the way that this is kind of like step-by-step, cut, cut, cut. It's giving it a very unique quality, this conversation. So I'm looking forward to the final result. I hope listeners are enjoying it, right? That's Alex. He's really lovely. Well, so in the time it took for me to change the batteries, and now I've got two bars on my on my battery uh, display, so I'm going to feel less anxious and, and more able to engage with what you're saying. Um, <laughs> in that period of time, you said hello to somebody and then you kind of introduced them to somebody else from a distance. Like, we're up on a balcony and you just introduced... You, you introduced two people to each other who are, like, you know, quite far away from us on the other side of a canal, like, in the <laughs> distance. Like that's a, an impressive level of, of connecting people, which is something I, I believe in, so I, I support it. Like, I try to do that when I see two people and I'm like, oh, these two people could be useful to each other. I will try and introduce them, but more online I'll do that than uh, shouting uh, across the across the canal. But I respect <laughs> it. I respect it deeply. <laughs> I, th- I think I'm, I'm lucky in terms of I, I suffer from severe mental health uh, issues, and part of that is to do uh, with my relationship to boundaries. And I, I, I think that you know I'm yeah. not I'm not alone. You understand that. Well, I do. Yeah. M- my mum's got no boundaries. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have a uh, certainly issues with boundaries yeah. myself. Yeah. As, as we all do. So I think you know <laughs> p- part of my my skills are to be able to extend across boundaries that that that, that uh, for some people are sacrosanct. Uh, and you know, as a British man, I, I'm lucky in terms of the fact that I, I don't like in some situations. Although I'm incredibly shy in some situations, particularly with people that I'm attracted to. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I, I can relate <laughs> to that too. <laughs> I, I also have the ability to shout across a canal uh, at, at people that I, I, I know and love. And in that particular scenario, you know, like Stuart, who's sitting there, is an incredible photographer whose work is all to do with boundaries. The man that walked walk past Alex is an incredible filmmaker that's touted as one 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 of the, the best filmmakers in the country and that's not from a kind of kind of ego and money perspective as an artist his work is insane so from my point of view it's all about connecting the dots like, like we, 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 you know if, if we're so shy that we're, we, we're sliding past each other uh, without, without knowing who each other are the, the potential to even have a conversation or, or, or to share sharing that valuable commodity which is effectively kindness and, and, and how amazing it would be to consider kindness as a form of kind of high level information exchange i think so much of my right, work is that's to, nice yeah so much of my work is to do with kind of kind of what i would call the smart of the heart you know i i do see empathy and kindness as higher forms of intelligence and and i think that's what i i want to cultivate on the planet so, so talk, let's talk about masculinity. I guess, well, I guess masculinity is the first thing to start with. I mean, you've given me a list. Not everybody gives me a list, and I always like it when people do because I, I don't want to miss things in people or that they want to say that they, you know, sometimes conversations you might just have certain things you want to say that day, and I might just ask you loads of stuff about things I 
always interested about you but the things you've got to say or you want to say I think are going to be interesting I, I don't really want to say anything but uh, <laughs> you uh, give me it, a list of well, things I, I think the list kind of came up through, 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 through me asking yeah. and also just what what we have in in common in common and, right you, you know I, I think the, the, the key thing that uh, you know, certainly has driven me and I bet I bet you as well and who amongst us hasn't been driven by this question of what what, what do we belong to um, you know as a, as a, as a kid I, I, I struggled with what I belonged to do I belong to my uh, to my family I didn't feel at home there I didn't feel at home being British I didn't feel at home with my Indian roots and that, 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 that kind of discomfort caused me to look outside of myself and caused me to question what identity was so now the cormorant that's just flown past our window, you know, I'm kind of thinking, well, actually, that's a sentient being, that's a creature. How 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 can uh, 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 am I part of his family? Assuming it was a he, um, uh, uh, you, you know, uh, like uh, 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 we're beings. We're we're we're, we're uh, I would say we're sentient beings. Uh, we're conscious beings. We're, we're we're animals, and we're alive, and we're living on, on the most incredible, incredible, very complicated. I- infrastructure or ecosystem, if you will, or, or, or planet, and that's what I belong to. And, and as we question our relationship to survival of the species, our, our species, uh, over the course of the coming tens of thousands of years, uh, as, as we evolve, I'm interested in, in, in what we belong to. So I, th- I think that my own relationship, my own struggle with identity, that has seen me question my relationship to religion and race and, 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 and nationality and gender, has hopefully allowed me to broaden my horizon in terms of uh, coming to terms with the fact that I'm so much more than any of these things. I'm a creature uh, and denizen of this planet that belongs here as much as the apple tree uh, behind me. Uh, uh, And uh, I think my responsibility is to work out how how we can all live together in harmony, like uh, ebony and ivory, as Stevie Wonder and Paul McCartney used to used to say side by side on my keyboard. Why don't we? <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, maybe it, the, the, it was the the right way to frame this list is is less the stuff that you have to say today and more the stuff that your art has been about mm. forever and mm. the, the work that you make. Mm. I mean, I recognise uh, qualities in you when we're talking that I remind me of the way I think about the world that I can't stop like I, I start thinking about one thing like you say the cormorant goes by and then the next thing I'm thinking about consciousness and what it is to be human and, and all of these things from mm. that and I guess that's part of what maybe that's what being an artist is although I'm a bit worried about the idea of saying artists are different from humans like everybody sees the world in an artistic way I think in some ways like we're all processing the world yeah I don't think of artists as a separate species who are special like I feel that's a bit of a suspect idea but I I do think if you're spending your time focusing on the artistic part of yourself it it often is asking lots of questions and and like looking very very intently at things that other people just brush by quite often yeah I hear hear what you're saying I, I, I guess that for me what makes an artist is somebody that gives themselves the freedom to ask those questions because we all ask those questions but many of us have, have other responsibilities such as you know you know uh, earning earning our corn uh, earning our daily bread and the, and the work that we do to 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 earn our daily bread uh, I, th- I think that the, the artist effectively f- 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 decides well actually what's most important is the questions that's what I want to spend time uh, uh, figuring out and, 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 and that that's effectively for me what makes an artist some, some somebody that is I guess brave enough and vulnerable enough and curious enough to say that's what drives me it's not necessarily earning money so that um, I I can afford nice things in life for example or or, or put my kids through college as my parents did for me Uh, you know I think I'm privileged to hold the position that that, that I am because my parents did actually make that choice I'm, I'm going to live for my you know my child I'm going to work really really hard to give my child the freedoms that I couldn't afford right that's yeah. I mean, that's that's really interesting. And it's like, it's, it's in, and in terms of the kind of artist you are, there's also something else I can connect to there. In that you don't always work in the same medium. You do spoken word. You do music. You've done a musical. Yeah. Uh, you've, you, you you know you work under different names. Last man going Paris. Just you've kind of said already. Um, and I'm like that. I can't decide on a. I, I don't. I, I just make stuff. 
and yeah. it just whatever the format it has to be is the format it's yeah. going to be. I mean, that's, that's wonderful, isn't it? To be to be able to kind of give yourself that freedom. I think I think you know in this strange world that we live in, we're we're always after uh, if you're making something and 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 that's your career path and and that's what you've got to stick to and that's the name that you've got to stick to and all this kind of non- nonsense. I mean, if you, if you can afford yourself the freedom to to be confident and just making stuff without necessarily needing to to uh, brand it or make money out of it or whatever it's, it's a complicated complicated issue and, 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 and question that we're talking about but I think I applaud anyone that that um, gives themselves the, the, the freedom to go oh fuck it today I feel like uh, doing this uh, I, you know I, I feel like planting some seeds and, and talking to the birds and and, and, and thinking about that and, and let, letting that really just be all, all that being an artist is as opposed to oh I'm going to make a painting or, or anything like this right yeah, that's true. I'm just gonna, um, <laughs> I'm just gonna save this and try the last let- lot of batteries to see if I can get something. The thing is, it would probably, also. yeah. Well, we'll, we'll 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 keep trying. It's quite interesting because we're going to talk about sustainability and stuff like that later on. It's quite interesting that the conversation is partly about how sustainable are the batteries going to be in order <laughs> to will we manage to make actually record this. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow, I thought I was being spoiled then. I thought I had three bars, but now I've got two again, so we're, we're good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you have batteries if I get to an anxious place again on this. I mean, normally, if I was talking to somebody and this, like, one bar thing was happening, I would just live with my anxiety. Like, <laughs> But I'm, I'm loving what you're saying so much and loving, like, <laughs> meeting you. Because we've not met each other actually physically before, and we've sort of seen each other through Facebook, and sort of, so we have an idea or interest in each other's stuff. I mean, I've watched... Uh, some some clips of your musical, but I've not actually seen any of your work. I think you've see, you've listened to my masculinity show, but that's only one kind of the thing I do. So like that gives you one picture of me. That's not necessarily the picture you'd get if you were someone who listened to another project I did or saw me live on stage or whatever. So it's interesting yeah. to, to do this. I mean, I, I enjoy the process, like you were saying, of meeting new people and working out what they're about. Like the luxury that doing this show gives me is I get to just pry. I get to go and find out what people are actually about when I meet them to do this show Uh, and you seem like someone very happy to to tell me so it's a great combination Mm -hmm. let's talk about masculinity then I guess sure so that's why that's why Angela thought we should see each other I know you were making a show that sort of was about or touching on masculinity actually actually the show that I was making was not per se about masculinity it was more about feminism and more about my desire to understand I, I, I guess my own privilege in being a man I, you know I'm so desperate for gender equality and, and, and for uh, an equal platform to be afforded to, 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 uh, to, to women as it, as, it, as it is to men but I'm, I also understand that you know I like, I'm so burdened with, 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 with privilege that right. often I can't see it so I was making work for ages which, which reflected upon that which reflected upon my own privilege and my my own anger actually my own my own anger towards society at large my own anger towards myself and my own anger towards women um it's very 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 difficult to unpick right i agree (laughs) i mean that's why i made a show about it because i was trying to unpick it and it is complicated because like you say it's hard to like you know i'm i'm white uh, and I'm uh, middle class, and I don't find either of those things to be uh, to give me pain, to give me anger. They only really give me uh, advantage in this world. Um, whereas being a man, it's much harder to see that as being a privilege in some ways because being a man's hurt me, and being, being and, and you know because of the way that women are conditioned, women have hurt me, and because of the way that men are conditioned, I've hurt women, and it's like it's so hard to unpick all of that stuff because it doesn't feel like a privilege it wasn't a privilege in school to be seen as not a proper man not a real man and all of those kinds of things that I've experienced and you will have experienced much more greatly because you're not just a man living in this world you're also a, a, a person of colour right or if that's, a, if that's the phrase that you are down with I mean there's, mm. there's lots of opinions about phrases like that well I think you know my, the fact that I'm not white has given me a definitely an interesting lens upon being other but I would question what you said about the fact that you're, you're being white and you're being middle class uh, are, are, are 
you know, I think if I heard you right, you said that you didn't feel as though that, that they were shackles as much as being a man is. And, no. And I'd question that because I kind of feel as though, you know, I don't know a white middle class person who doesn't feel guilty. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 about the privilege. So, so perhaps it's... Well, you must know some, some nice uh, white middle class uh, men because I know a lot of... And, and women, because uh, I know a lot of uh, middle class white people who, uh, who don't feel any fucking guilt. But at the same time, I do appreciate that there are many people people like myself who feel guilt and that is a kind of harm um, but there's other th- there's other kinds of harm that I don't see what I mean is being a man didn't feel like it gave me privilege uh, because of the fact that it hurt so much whereas it did give me privilege and I couldn't work that out whereas with being white or middle class I I think they probably do hurt me in some ways they they restrict the way I see the world but they don't they, they, but, but not in a pain not in a physical visceral I have lived experience of this hurting me it's much more in a wow. I can't see it it's Wow. Under the under the skin, it's like, well, not under the under the skin is probably a bad choice of, or maybe a good choice of words. I, I think it's a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful choice of word, particularly uh, with, with regards to uh, the, the 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 movie itself, uh, Under the Skin, uh, <laughs> uh, and everything that we're talking about. So, I, you know, personally, I'm fascinated by the fact that your experience of masculinity has been so visceral and so painful because in that way I think that marks you out in particular as quite a special kind of human being as much as I know that you, you, you know you, your humility and perhaps anxiety uh, uh, means that you you are, are unwilling to embrace something which might be seen as a compliment I don't really think it's a compliment I think it's just more of an observation upon the way that you see the world and I, and I, I, I feel that you know your relationship to masculinity and the pain that you carry at being a man is incredibly rare and incredibly valuable that's interesting I think that maybe my reflection on that is incredibly rare but I think that the experience of of, of having great pain because of being a man is quite common it's just most people don't see it see the problem as being a man or being of masculinity they locate that anger with other things like women like Mm, uh, people who are different from them so like when we see like like men are in prison like men are in prisons men are in the army men men hurt themselves all the time uh, and th- th- but and they're angry about it they're leg- legitimately angry about it but they don't locate the p- problem with where it's at so i don't think it's a rare experience for for men to be hurt by masculinity to the extent that i've been in fact i think i've been hurt less than a lot of men um, just because there are other factors like uh, you'll agree that a black man in society is going to experience a lot worse uh, anger generated towards them because they're a man, because also they're also black, right? So there'll be a threat in a way that I've never been. They'll be so uh, that's, harmed that's in certain that's ways. Double whammy. It's a double-edged sword. You know, the, the, the black man is, it, it, uh, uh, you, you know, the first, first of all, uh, the black person right. uh, it, it is just subject to the most incredible, incredible... Uh, uh, animosity and just bullshit uh, on the planet. Absolutely. So whether it's the, whereas, whether it's the black woman in terms of the way that she's uh, uh, objectified, where she's placed in society, or the black man, the powerful black man, the, the it, it, it's just such a such a terrible terrible conundrum to, right. to, to unpick <laughs> I agree I mean and it's, but here we are two, know, two we non-black are. men talking about black men that's, that's <laughs> kind of slightly unfair that's true and uh, well I'm not you know I'm not trying to speak for black men and black men will certainly have more to say than either of us although you'll have if, you, if you're a black man I suggest you text or call into the studio now <laughs> <laughs> I mean I, I, wa- I wondered if I, if I might for the moment just, just bust you two very quick poems do uh, please that, do that I've written that I would love they're both very much about masculinity. So, so the first one was like last, last week. So it's um, my, my eyes have been wet now for years. Healing is hard, but it's worth it. So gentle, there's hardly a tear. Past troubles come bubbling to the surface. Got to leave that one there. Um, That's very nice, though. Thank you very much. The other, the <laughs> other one was I was working with a male choir called Chaps Choir, which was a brilliant experiment in masculinity, really. Don Stitchbury, who, who uh, leads that choir, is very much interested in what it means to be in a man in the 21st century. So he asked me to write a poem which kind of reflected upon uh, masculinity. 
As I look in the mirror, my deepening fault lines smile back like they knew the plan all along. Whatever sword I carry before me has been tempered and forged by my urge to belong. All of us strangers to unforeseen changes. It's hard because change is a foreigner's land. I look down to find hymns I didn't even know I could sing. Song lines engraved in the cracks of my hands. These days, anger gnaws my insides. There's no place to fight or beat my chest. So I push away love and I hide within linen caves I castigate myself in when depressed. These days my temples exist in the tension between the twin towers which pull me apart. The dark and light and left and right and day and night and black and white and all the shades of grey which coexist within my broken heart. These days my psalms are carved from my passions and pains and my every mistake. The rhythm and cadence of rivers are prayed in while swimming upstream from every shattered dream and hidden cost. I pray every time a friend fades away or leaves without saying goodbye for every friend that wanders through the wilderness alone because he doesn't know how to say he is scared because he doesn't know how to say he is lost. Right. I loved that. Thanks, man. And I related to it too. I mean, this is the thing. Like, those things articulate a lot of what... And that's the thing. In some ways, I often feel like poetry or uh, kind of slightly ab- slight abstraction is, is the best way to kind of uh, discuss what it feels like to be a man because we are so kind of abstracted from ourselves in, in lots of ways, I think, sometimes, by the way that we're kind of culturally conditioned. We are often... And this is not... Look, any of these overarching statements aren't true for everyone, but lots of men... Uh, are not in touch with being vulnerable, right? We're not in touch with our own feelings in the same way. And we, we long to be. And we have this this abstracted feeling and this kind of like... And, and those po- poems, I've, I, you know, really hit home in that in that way for me. And I've... I, I often think I've only just recently started to being being kind of obsessed with masculinity maybe the last five years. But if I actually think about those poems make me realise that my earliest poems were were trying to articulate the, these things but I hadn't yet got the the, the political structures and in, I didn't couldn't describe the political structures I couldn't describe the beast but I could describe the experience of being mm. within it you it's know lovely. It's lovely. oh how do you feel about masculinity now I guess <laughs> having <laughs> thought about it some well you know uh, uh, <laughs> Trump uh, uh, Brexit uh, Marine Le Pen uh, the, right. the, the, the rise to uh, kind of the current trends towards uh, nationalism and the kind of emergence of a global fa- uh, fascism for me right. I kind of see it as almost like the last dying fart of the dinosaur age and, and that dinosaur age is masculinity it, it is empire building it is oil it is frontiers making and, and I, I feel as almost we're entering into a different epoch now in which we're more prepared to uh, listen we have to listen we have to be more empathetic we have to be more vulnerable we have to be more more courageous and more soft in terms of allowing us to attune ourselves to that which lies outside ourselves so I, I kind of feel as though it's the end of patriarchy and to, and to an extent a new form of masculinity is emerging which is all about the kind of qualities that in the past have been associated uh, w- with women uh, and w- with with the female an emotional intelligence for example the capacity to empathise and to listen and to nurture and to care I feel as though those are the, the responsibilities of, of the 21st century man I mean, I hope you're right. I, I don't know if, I, if I'm as positive in seeing the rise of global fascism as the last hurrah. I, I fear it's the boot pushing everything we've achieved down, but at the same time, I hope you're right. I really do. What I really identify with, though, there is uh, often you hear people sort of say that we should socialise women to be more like men. We should uh, teach them to ignore people's boundaries and push themselves forward this kind of like push yourself to the top get in the boardrooms be part of the problem but be the ones at the top and I often think why aren't we teaching boys to be more like women why aren't we teaching boys to be more empathetic why aren't we teaching 
but but we are. Yeah. Well, some like, of us are, some of us aren't. I think ch- change always starts starts it, it, slowly. The suffragettes movement it, it is what like like a blink of an eye old. It's a it's a hundred fifty years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the abolition of sla- sla- slavery happened happened yesterday. So I, I think for people that that demand change, that see the possibility for for a different kind of future, that 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 we're all we're always yearning to have that in a hurry, and rightfully so. You, you, you know, we, we we are the frontiers people. We are we are the vanguard looking for change. Well, if but you I don't yearn to have it in a hurry you won't get it ever like you have to have that need drive. to get it yeah. exactly I mean Gandhi, the anger Gandhi, Gandhi and Luther King talked about this a lot but but both were advocates of non, non, non-violence but uh, were incredible uh, a- 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 activists and I, I, I think looking at kind of non- non-violence Gene Sharp for example is a really interesting thinker who works in the field of non-violence you know how do we create change Without necessarily, you know, how how do we shape anger and allow it to drive us, allow it to become a driver, right. without necessarily letting that uh, kind of be, be a malevolent force? But right. I, I just wanted to kind of return to something which was saying, you know, we are we are teaching that. Hence, this conversation. You know, we're not the only ones having this conversation on the planet agreed, right now. There, there, are, there are thousands of these conversations being broadcast and being had. So, so, so I think that it, it, it's happening. You know, the the, the, the you know the Gardenian cliche if you like be the change that you want to see we're surrounded by absolutely fascinating um moments you know here we are on the canal there's people living on the canal i've sort of i've got so many products in my house that are made by people that are thinking in an ethical way and thinking about their responsibility to the planet you know we're all trying our best to move in the right direction and for me i want i want to focus on that in times of kind of absolute chaos and, and madness in the world at large when, it, when it's so easy to be defeated right. uh, in, in spirit uh, by, by, by what we see in the world I also want to, want to think about all of these hundreds and thousands of small moments there's a thinker called Paul Hawking who, who talked about this a lot Paul Hawking what was his book I think it was called The, 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 the Blessed Unrest that's the book Blessed Unrest and uh, his kind of TED talk, if you like, started off with, with, with the catchy title, You Are Brilliant, The Earth Is Hiring. And he talked about Buckminster Fuller in that talk. He talked about the fact that the revolution is hundreds and hundreds of small moments that, that cannot necessarily be organised how humanity has organised itself in the past. A hierarchical structure, a kind of a, 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 pyramid, a pyramid structure, if you like, a Ponzi structure, uh, top-down top information. The one weird thing about this this incredible revolution that we're going through call it the information revolution or or an energetic revolution following the industrial revolution in the, the the agricultural revolution is that it's invisible it's intangible it's made of these hundreds and thousands of small moments that necessarily can't organ, organize themselves into a front as it were uh, like the french did when when they lo- they lopped off their leaders heads with a guillotine there's no leaders to execute in this revolution uh, you know we we're, we're talking about a changing of the vanguard with regards to the way that we organise society and that will be drip-fed over thousands of years. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. I mean, I totally... I can see the arguments for that and I don't, I don't disagree with any of that as a possibility for, for the future and I, you know, I hope that that one comes, tr- comes true uh, <laughs> out of all of the possible futures. But, but one thing that I guess is crucial now in a way that hasn't necessarily been in the past when people have considered revolution or change is that there's an environmental element to if we don't change things quite fast environmentally there are certain kinds of issues that we're going to face that may make us not able to have the the 3,000 years that we need to reshuffle the cards to the right well they've, they've been mooted these things but I'd also want to postulate that the industrial revolution is less than 200 years old uh, the, the, the advent of the technologies that we're currently working with are Agreed. less than 200 Agreed years old so, so, so we know that we are that's why we call this uh, emergent uh, epoch the Anthropocene uh, Anthropocene meaning we are entering into a time where mankind has more of an impact upon uh, the planet than, than, than anything else and at the same time as this is being born we're considering it like in, in a very short period of time we've become aware of our impact on the planet so I, I really understand why it is that we are I guess scared 
of, of the fact that perhaps our impact upon the planet ha- has been so great that that it means that humanity is tenuous. It, it may not exist. It may not kind of continue to exist because of the damage that we've caused. I, 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 but all of this has come up in the last couple of hundred years, which is a blink of an eye, and, I, I, and I, we just don't know. I agree with that. I'm an agnostic, and I am an agnostic about the future as well as about the potentialness or not potentialness of the world being created by some kind of force. I mean, the, the, so I, I agree. I agree that there's a possibility that we will find our way through, and I, 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 I hope that's true. I feel like bringing up the question of the environment is not so much to say your possibilities and your hope and your ideas for change aren't achievable but more I feel like if we're going to achieve those things we have to solve that part of the equation too and you're talking about that as well you're talking about sustainability and I'm I'm just considering how fast we need to get into that and I feel like it's quite fast I mean I'm not saying it's not possible but I'm saying it needs to be possible sooner rather than later I feel like agreed but I also feel that that perspective which obviously you're not alone in having that we need to do this soon and quickly and fast is a perspective that has been born within. Uh, that's Conrad, by the way. He's an incredible artist that uh, that, that that lives locally and one that works with gender. Uh, you should definitely meet him. Hold on one second, <laughs> Conrad. This is my friend Dave. I really want you to meet him at some point. Hi. I think you'd really get on with each other. I'll make the indu- I'll, I'll hook you up later. How are you? Good. Um, so you were talking about how through frequent moments uh, in so history, the, the device was the end, and it. Well, know. the device that you're holding in your hands, yeah, uh, uh, um, has only has only been it, it's only been possible to make that device within the last thirty years, Agreed, forty yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. So, so, I think that amount, the amount of change that we have seen within the last 30 to 40 years that has seen us all all across the world with phones with mobile phones increasingly with laptops with with with, uh, with microchips etc that that driver that change that we've experienced in our own lifetimes that is the thing that has caused us to be in a hurry well it's that's happened in a hurry the world has changed massively in a hurry and yet why not perceive that things are changing very quickly it doesn't necessarily mean to say that that we're being driven towards uh, some kind of terrible climax in, in, in humanity's history just because change is happening I, I, I think the, the, the perspective that I'm trying to get across is a difficult one yeah um, I agree and I, I think I have a lot of sympathy with your perspective on this but I, I, I hope that you uh, I hope that you can articulate it in a way that you're happy with, but I'm, I'm, <laughs> but I'm interested to, to hear that articulation. Um, I, I guess uh, Brian Eno is uh, the, the, the thinker that uh, really generated a, a, a lot of thoughts around this when he was living in New York and uh, came up with this kind of idea of the short now, where we're so driven by what is happening right now. Uh, and what he was interested in is in cultivating the long now. This, the, you know, like thinking about rather than the four-year tenureship of your average politician or the eight-year lifespan of your average human, uh, what it means to have a perspective that lasts for um, uh, thousands of years. So, yeah. for example, uh, you know, where, where, what might humanity look like in two thousand years, or what might humanity looked like in 10,000 years so he began working with a wonderful man called Stuart Brand who was almost your archetypal hippie he started off the whole earth catalogue in, in, in the 60s which almost became the hippie bible um, in America and Stuart uh, built something called the Long Now Foundation which is built around a clock that bongs once a year in the Arizona desert that's built to last for 10,000 years uh, and the whole idea of the project is to structure thinking around the long now. What will humanity look like in 10,000 years? And I think that's an incredibly refreshing and valid perspective within the fact that we're all running around like headless chickens going, oh, Trump, uh, chemical warfare. Uh, you know, we, we know that changes in warfare in particular, the, the, the amount of devastation that can be caused to, to human life is kind of off, off, off the hook. You know, a couple of nuclear explosions, uh, Tokyo and San Francisco going up in an earthquake within a year of each other uh, there's so many potential dodgy 
Yes, millions, millions of possibilities, uh, billions, in fact, count, countless possibilities. Yeah, I agree. Uh, uh, and yet, let us hope for a best case scenario and try and imagine a world like like what like uh, Elon Musk is doing, which actually, as much as it is aware of the prescient problems facing humanity with regards to whether that's a regards to kind of persecution of the other or or, 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 or our lack of awareness of our impact on the planet. To the same degree, let us cultivate a faith in a long relationship between humanity and the infrastructure or ecosystem that, 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 that gave us rise to planet Earth. I mean, I totally understand that. Like, in some ways, I, I do think in these terms myself, like in terms of the... the, the length of history the length of like you know from the big bang onwards like you know the fact that earth is only one planet in uh, in the whole of the universe all of that sort of stuff often gives me hope or gives me perspective and i i, I certainly don't think i'm partly i don't think that it matters particularly if humans do survive i think something else will take their place or whatever in, the, in there's, there's also those kind of long-term possibilities but the thing is we're not long term even if we can think long term we're not individually long term we might be part of the human experience but we are the only part we fully understand is our own one right mm. and so the, the, i guess thinking in those long terms doesn't help someone who needs help now or, or is you know who, you know it doesn't help the victims of uh, the, the you know the tory government you know the people who die because they haven't got disability benefits and then they're considered to work or the people who trump is going to hurt through trumpism like well, well you have to you have to choose your battles didn't you you, you do, like, you like, do. Uh, it's um, a big and it's yeah i agree you, you know like like it's it's a tricky one because because uh, you know the, the 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 mythical character called the buddha the the one kind of aphorism that can be plucked from his gob or at least attributed to it is is uh, all life is suffering there's a brilliant question michael sandel is a genius genius thinker who who leads the kind of one of the most popular university courses in the world which which is law at, at harvard I think it's ethics and law at Harvard. Uh, and, and Sandel has begun to nurture... His classrooms are amazing because he's very good at nurturing opinions and perspectives from his classroom. So it's a very participatory class. It's not like he's leading it. He's allowing the the, the shape of, of the lesson, if you like, uh, to come from, from all of the participants that are, are, are within it. And he just kind of steers that. So the BBC have recently given him a platform to do this on a world scale. So they kind of set, set him up in a room with 40 screens behind him and 40 thinkers from all around the planet obviously including uh, th- those that weren't empire uh, you, you know so you're talking about your your irans and your iraqs and your lebanons and your jordans and your syrias your your south africas and your botswanas and your rwandas and your vietnam etc so so, in, in, so you've got this incredible classroom in which he's steering a conversation based on the opinions uh, of all of these people now he begins his law course and an ethics course at harvard by by postulating this question, and, and you can find it on, online, this whole series is free online if, if for anyone that's kind of I- interested. You just Google Michael Sandel ethics. Uh, that'll, that'll get you there, I think. We don't need URLs anymore. We just need the keywords. <laughs> I, mean, I, I always forget that. I'm always, like, wearing on the www. It's not even necessary. <laughs> he postulates this question. This is the question that starts it. It's a very famous philosophical dilemma. So there's a, there's a train track. There's a train uh, moving on this track. And uh, it's going to kill five people. There are five people. So let's say they're in a car. Uh, and the car has got stuck on the, on, on the track. And, and the train is careering towards that car, and so you're definitely going to kill five people. Uh, but there's a switch. Uh, there's a switch that you can flick that switch, uh, and if you flick it, the track will move. Uh, but if the track moves, you kill one person, but you're, you're, you're making right, the choice to right, do right, that. Right. So that's how he begins the world's most famous course in, in ethics at, yeah. at, at Harvard. I've heard that. Yeah, it's, 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 before. It, yeah. It, it's, it's a it's a classic and, and mm. it's a it's a tricky one. And I, I guess my, my point of mentioning it is there are always going to be those who suffer. Uh, you know the the, the 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 poor working class. I don't want to kind of kind of use. I mean, you don't necessarily have to always have those elements, though. There's diff- there's suffering. There's suffering. I mean, if there is. There are potential futures whereby we don't have uh, poor people and rich people. We just have people who have 
you know equal amounts or whatever. I'm but not what, saying but what that they're going to happen. What, what, what about beyond people? Uh, like you know, the, the the Jains are a fascinating bunch. You know, my mum was a Jain. Um, I, I'm not religious, but mum mum was a Jain. She comes from a history of Jains. And Jain, you know, some Jains won't even step over puddles because because they they see that the microbes in those puddles are sentient. Uh, you know, I would argue that why don't we give the same uh, uh, rights to uh, a cow uh, or, or, or or a pig uh, or, or you know uh, uh, or, or whatever a spider uh, as we do humanity because it's life. So so you know these are really difficult questions. Yeah, no, I agree. I don't I don't have answers. I mean, it might look like from my social media that I have answers because I share lots of people who have answers. Um, but I I definitely remain uncertain. I, I think I, I'm a little bit suspicious of certainty as a as a as a way forward. It's like I think that, that I try to be uncertain. I try mm. to keep possibilities open to to consider different lenses and ways of analysing it. And I think that they are all important. All I mean, of, many of them are that's, important. That's great. I think your capacity to kind of not be certain about anything is I don't achieve it. I feel I feel certain all the time. I'm a human being. I feel <laughs> certain all the time. In an argument, I'll be absolutely certain. <laughs> but then, but then I listen back to the first, you know, the first episodes of Getting Better Acquainted, and I hear me being completely certain about things I now know that certainly <laughs> I am wrong about. And so that is, I mean, that I mean, is why so, I'm so, suspicious so, of it. Is, is absolute bullshit. Like, <laughs> like the, you know, the hu- human mind. The human mind is, is is such a slippery fucking beast. We we know nothing. I know I can't speak for we. I know fuck all right. about anything. And yeah, it's brilliant to question. It's brilliant to use this incredibly complex set of tools that we've got uh, to, to, to ask questions to help us uh, you, you know sh- shape our perspectives and, and move towards uh, m- more more knowledge and when I say knowledge um, you know like, I, I, one of my favourite thinkers on the planet I mentioned Brian Eno earlier and he he, he wrote an opera um, called Sum and it was based on a book of short stories uh, by a neuroscientist called David Eagleman and David Eagleman is one of my absolute favourite thinkers on the planet. He's such a remarkable, remarkable human being. Uh, and he describes himself as a possibilian. Uh, 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 and he, he's, he's a hilarious man. If you, if you Google Eagleman possibilian, you'll just get so much juicy, juicy, fun stuff to get your teeth into. Uh, and and I, I think his baseline as a neuroscientist is to say, 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 I don't know. So what I just mentioned kind of knowledge. We, I feel like I can be certain about the fact that describing... Uh, the workings of my body, my 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 my, my blood, uh, my endocrine system, my kidneys, my, my heart, uh, my lungs, my skin. I, I feel like science is helping us to picture things which I can now call fact. I right. can now kind of say, yeah, this 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 is this is knowledge. This this exists. So I think that science does this for us uh, whereas art <laughs> it, uh, and one might even say religion um, offer very different perspectives on, on, on what it means to be human well you uh, can even question whether uh, art and religion are different things uh, in the first place I mean I feel like art and religion come from very similar similar places well they're story like artists yeah, they're, and, they're stories yeah, but also there's this sense of like I feel like there's something holy that I that I, I experience in great pieces of art like whatever holy means do you know what I mean the same feeling that someone feels in a church I feel like you can feel through art and I, I might posit that might be a healthier way of experiencing that mm. experience but I, right. that said I don't want to diss religions I, I have plenty of people who I respect immensely who are, are religious um, which is not to say that I endorse organised religion either, again it's a complicated thing, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save this bit of conversation and just because uh, it's gone down to one bar in it's uh, desire to really keep me, making me anxious um, <laughs> do it, do it <laughs> We're on the way to the to near the end of this, which is good because it means that you won't be able to you won't end up missing going to the Women of the World, which is where you're going after this. Yeah, I, I definitely I'd love to tell you about what I'm up to. Uh, yeah, well, before that, I was going to just ask you one one further question, I guess. Like before I ask you what you're up to, which I absolutely give everyone the chance. Don't worry. <laughs> 
Um, wow, can I just point out the fact that we've been surrounded by some incredible bird activity This is true, fact. people will have heard some of it no, and There was a really lovely moment when you were describing how human organisms and animals are connected and, and, and on the same continuum when at the same time as you were saying something I can't remember what the exact quote was a bird like <laughs> like called in the in the background, it was, like, it was almost like I I'd inserted that bird to uh, to demonstrate your 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 argument. So yeah, I guess the one we've sort of touched on a lot of this um, in some ways, but like in terms of identity and belonging, like what would you what what have you got to say on those issues? Like having I guess a lot of your art's been about it. Your your you are have an identity. Do you feel like you belong? Those are two questions, I guess. Oh, I, I get, I get, they're great questions. I, I, I think as, 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 I grow, as I grow older, I'm 45 years old now, um, um, so I, I guess I've been thinking about these things for 30 years and hopefully I'll have another 30 years at least to think uh, about them. Um, I, I now understand that even though I, I, I call myself English or British and... Uh, I, I enjoy my, my Indian heritage and uh, I do see myself as a man uh, really what I belong to is something far wider and greater than any of these things um, uh, uh, you know at the moment there's, there's a slight breeze blowing around my ankles and I, I love considering what that breeze is made of and the fact that I am really made out of the same atoms that that, that that you can find in that breeze, uh, so so I, I don't I don't really belong to anything anymore apart from the, the you, you know all, all everything that we're surrounded by, be it the planet or or even what lies outside of the planet. Right. We're we're made of the same stuff, uh, and so it's interesting telling stories about this as an artist because that's what I am, and I'm I'm an artist. You know, I'm not a scientist, uh, and yet for me, I guess everything boils down to as far as I can understand the atomic level. Um, um, Eagleman, yeah. who I he just mentioned, kind of talks talks about the fact that um, 90s I think something ridiculous like 95% of everything that we can know and see and feel and hear and experience um, it, it, it is dark matter it, it, it's stuff that we don't we haven't even got the foggiest what it is 95% of everything around us yeah. is, is, is stuff that we don't understand yeah. so 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 we i know i don't belong to i don't know what i belong that's the, that's the answer to your question i don't know what the fuck i belong to <laughs> right i think that's the that's uh, i feel that way um i mean did you say you were 35 45, 45. so you got 10 years on me um <laughs> but i feel that way now i guess i'm gonna continue to feel that way forever like try like yeah but that, that, on a base level that's how i belong i mean and on a base level, that's what all of our identities are. But then we also do have these cultural kind of elements that have framed our identity, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. That, yes, all that frame us. Like, do we do we do we choose them, or do we do we do we or do they choose us? Do they force us into shapes, or do can we can we force them into shapes? You that's know? I mean, here we are in England, uh, speaking English. Uh, you know, uh, 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 having grown up within uh, 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 the English schooling system, um, uh, 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 language is an incredibly powerful tool, and we're we're we're, we're using uh, English at the moment. We're, we're definitely our ideas are definitely being being shaped by the uh, the language. Uh, right, we're, we're thinking using. in English as well, and yeah. and I I, I I understand, although I do not experience it because I can't speak any other languages. Um, that when you think in another language, you you think differently like you think in a, a completely different way I mean that's I feel like if, if we're talking about ways that being a, a white middle class man hurts me if you're talking about England in a in a you know underlying way you know in a way that isn't like direct then that's a way that I'm hurt I can only think in one language yeah but that's not the same as being hurt in other ways like I'm not comparing that pain to significant pain from marginalized groups to just to make that clear well, you, but, me you, me you mentioned pain and I'd want to consider uh, languages uh, be 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 you know so, so for example uh, emotional languages or physical languages right. what, what, what it what it means to experience uh, uh, deep 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 anger or, 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 or deep hurt so, so for, for, for me the, these are also languages uh, right. let's take That's for really example uh, dance or humour uh, for right. example you know humour's been around for far longer I think than, than that language has you can see it in, 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 
in uh, in, in animals, right. uh, even beyond primates. You know, you, you know, I feel dolphins as, uh, definitely too. definitely. But I, I could even, you know, I, I'm sure that dogs kind of make each other laugh. Uh, I, 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 I think so. I I, I, I don't know. I'm not. I, I'm not. I'm not a dog. Exactly. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but you know, so I, I guess the point is uh, wh- wh- whether it's humour or, or whether it's dance or whether it's music uh, um, or pictures. I guess some people can think in pictures. My brother seems to think in pictures. He's a visual artist and he will always be sketching. Like if he c- he's he's better at talking if he's got a sketchbook to to, to mm. write in so to draw, draw in rather. Mm, that's interesting. That's it so that's int- yeah you're really right on that I agree I mean so I guess I can speak many languages uh, and think in many languages but uh, only one verbal one <laughs> uh, and there's plenty of other verbal ones out there so I that's, guess, that's I, a good clarification I guess the neocortex is so such a powerful powerful tool that, that we often forget uh, what lies underneath it? Um, you, you know, you know, when when we crawled out of the ocean, uh, I don't even know how long that was ago. Like a, a billion years? I don't know. I don't uh, know either. You know, we we, we had we had a spinal column, and on top of that spinal column came our early brains, and the, these brains were capable of, of of processing information. And I would say speaking languages of sorts. Even you know, if you look at lizards, for example, and, and lizards' relationship to, uh, to 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 the sun, uh, that that's the lizards' way of of. of, of thinking and of feeling and of being it is thinking and it is feeling and it is being in terms of its relationship uh to 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 the sun or the relationship to uh water which it needs to drink or the earth which it crawls upon or the food which it has to eat to an extent it's speaking a kind of language in terms of its relationship to being in in the world in the world at large you're right yeah i mean that's interesting too i mean what consciousness is is a it's a complicated one as well. Like thinking isn't necessarily the same as consciousness, and there are prob- possibly consciousnesses, the different kinds of consciousness. Even within humans, there's different kinds of consciousness. Like uh, a show I made last year, The Family Tree. One of the central questions of that show is, "What is consciousness?" And I asked loads and loads of different people, and everybody had a different answer. And it's the same as, "What does it mean to be human?" Everybody had a different answer, which is almost kind of in itself an answer. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> that everybody has a different definition of what human even is and that so many definitions that people had for themselves excluded loads of people but they didn't realise that they did Mm, because mm, mm, they were just you know like you don't realise that you're if you say human beings are storytellers then you're saying that everybody who doesn't tell stories like you know if if, if, if you're saying that somebody who is like paralysed in the brain or whatever isn't a human you know that's what you're saying you don't realise you're saying that when you say that you know Mm. but you are you're excluding people you don't even realise and some people did and some people didn't it was very interesting Mm -hmm. uh, question to ask But the last question I ask on this show, because we are getting near to the end, and I've got to say, it's almost a cliche, and I hate cliches now, for me to say at this point in the conversation, it's been a pleasure getting better acquainted (laughs) with you, but it it really has. (laughs) Like, it really has. And, uh, uh, yeah, I'm going to walk away from this conversation, and pleasantly, I've got to walk afterwards, (laughs) like, with it all buzzing around in my head, like, and that's going to be great. So I hope that the listeners have that experience too. Um, But the the last question I ask everybody is do you have anything to plug and I guess yes yes <laughs> yes I do uh, so um, I'm working on a, a new project which I've been it's been dwelling in me for a long long time and it's finally coming into fruition uh, it's called The Miseducation of Luna Khan and I don't know its output. The ideal outputs for uh, the final output will be a film, an all singing, all dancing musical film. Um, I, I think it will also be a graphic novel. Uh, so I think those are the two final outputs for it: um, a, a musical, um, uh, which you'll see on, on, on celluloid on film, uh, and a graphic novel. And it's the story of a it's like a magical realist story of a young Muslim girl. Uh, who uh, lives in East London, who uh, falls a little bit like Alice in Wonderland through uh, uh, the cracks in reality and finds herself uh, meeting a, a, a shaman called Amira Khayyam, uh, a, a taggle gypsy woman who uses music to travel through time. And uh, Luna travels on the ruby yacht of Amira Khayyam to a place called the Heart of Suffering, uh, which is a kind of island culture, uh, a little bit like Burning Man, uh, run by a, a kind of maverick root boy scientist called Bucky Abdul.
Abdullah. Uh, and that's the kind of beginning of her journey. So so that's what I'm, I'm currently working on. And I'm sure you'll find it on in a theatre near you soon. <laughs> Brilliant. And where can people find you to like to make sure that they pay attention to where that might come out or the other things that you're doing? Um, my website is at lastmangoinparis.net. I always say that. I, I, don't, I like saying that in a northern accent because otherwise it, it's not lost. Lastmangoinparis.net. And um, also on, on Facebook, I'm kind of active. So I, I, I nurture my... Uh, 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 my artist page there so if you google my name Shane Solanke uh, and, and Facebook I guess you'll, you'll find your way to my my, uh, my artist page on Facebook which I think is Mangoes Are Forever uh, but yeah last, last Mango in Paris is kind of what I trade under well wicked I mean you know I mean it's 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 really been a pleasure and I feel like I mean this is only scratching the surface of what we could talk about and that's a great place to be in when you've first met someone because you know not all my conversations have to be on microphones so there's there's the future that can be on or off mic but I'm really pleased to have met you uh, the last uh, thing I ask my guests to do is to say goodbye to the audience bye love you um, <laughs> call me anytime doors always open <laughs> <laughs> bye everybody <laughs> like the, the, was it like a he- helicopter or a yeah. aeroplane just like all the sound coming just for the end of the show so that was me and Shane Solanke talking together at 10.30am last Saturday so quite a quick turnaround for this one The show that Shane was talking about at the end there is a development of something that he was calling up until recently Songs of Immigrants and Experience. And you can hear songs from it on his website lastmangoinparis.net. I'm also working on series two of The Family Tree. Me and my partner Jen, we're in the process of casting that. Look out for more Family Tree. And if you haven't heard the first series of The Family Tree, it's all there uh, over on the website on iTunes, on SoundCloud, all the places that podcasts go to hang out so you can listen to that show from the beginning. You can follow Getting Better Acquainted on Twitter at GBA Podcast. You can like Getting Better Acquainted on Facebook and you can find Getting Better Acquainted on iTunes, SoundCloud, those kind of places. One thing that really helps the show if you have some time would be for you to leave a rating and a review on iTunes uh, telling people about the show and why you like it if you have money to spare and you want to support what i do then you can donate to the show via the paypal link that you can find on the soundcloud page if you want to support the family tree you can sign up to the patreon that would be so helpful because we're making the second season and so we need a budget we need to pay people and so you could help us to do that here but remember There are lots of ways to get better acquainted.